Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Today, um, Grayson and I are here with you. Um, the only guest we have is the Holy Spirit, right? right. That's a good guest. <laughs> That's a good guest. It's the only one we need. But today, uh, we're just going to have a conversation. We are in a season of Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, we're in a season where, for those in the farming community, um, We've just came through bringing in the harvest. So there's all kinds of things. We're in a season where we're beginning to look forward to Christmas. And um, we've just been having some conversation about you know this world that we live in at such a time as this and the importance of light, right? right. The importance of light um, piercing the darkness. I've been challenged by this personally within... Um, all areas of my life, right. and I just felt like it would be good to have a conversation um, as we are navigating these days um, as believers in a world that looks drastically different right. than it may have two years ago. So looking forward to a conversation today. And Pastor Margaret, uh, just thinking about something we talked about before we started recording, we were talking about uh, light and darkness, and also talking about the harvest. Well, you know, even when you can't see the harvest, when it's night and it's dark, the harvest is still there, and the darkness is a great harvest for us as Christians because mm. light shines best in darkness. And uh, the Bible also says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we want to make sure that us as Christians are helping be the workers of the harvest. Yeah, you know, I... Actually, um, recently when we recorded, I had an aha sitting during one of those recordings, and I shared very briefly about that aha, but uh, Steve and I, my husband and I, had opportunity to go out um, to Wisconsin during my sabbatical, and on the way out, we were driving through Ohio and Indiana, and all of the fields were just ripe for harvest. It was beautiful. I was so moved by it. Um, I was driving. We didn't stop and take any pictures. And I thought when I come back, I will take pictures, right? I'll take some pictures. And we came back through that particular area, hundreds of miles of cornfields um, ready for the harvest. And it was dark. And you're right, um, just because it's dark, does not mean the harvest isn't there. All we could see was the lights from those hundreds of windmills through one county, um, in particular there, I believe in Ohio. Uh, but just, I was really bummed on the way back when it was dark. And the next morning we got up to the hotel and I'm like, we've, we've already went through all of those. We've already went past all those fields and we're not turning around going back. But I'm grateful for that because it's really... It's really embedded in my heart, um, this picture of a harvest that 
um, is there just because we can't see right. it, just because the light's not shining on it, does not mean it's not there. And so I want us to be aware of that as we, um, in these days and into the, the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, when we gather with our loved ones and, you know, we there's every family ever since Adam and Eve been dysfunctional, right? right? Yeah. Like not everything's right. like we want it to be. It's not a Norman Rockwell right. picture. Not it's until we get to heaven. Not until we reach glory. And we want to take as many people as we can. Right. And I'm really, I don't even know, I'm, I'm searching for a word of, I feel um, just a deep sense of urgency in making sure that um, as I look at my own life, that I am living in such a way that would draw people's attention to the Lord and not wanting my own way. And um, I have a friend that, like, she loves to be out in nature and she so often nature comes up in her pictures on Facebook. And she posted recently about um, some beautiful scenery. And I messaged her and I said, you know, it's amazing how the scenery in that picture draws my thoughts to God, the creator of that scenery. And how much more, and I'm really... I am really challenged by this. How much more should God's people and their interactions with others draw people's thoughts to God? That challenged me. When we're talking about piercing the darkness, uh, we have to make sure that the light is seeping out through our brokenness, through our broken cracks, as a little boy once said, Mommy, God's light shines through in the broken places. So... Yeah, I'm really challenged by that myself, and so I just wanted to have a conversation today. And he uses the broken places in our lives so that we can help others, you know, who may be, ex- you know, experiencing the same thing that we've gone through. And sometimes we don't want anyone to know that we've ever done anything wrong, and so we would never tell somebody what God has saved us from when it might be the very lifeline they need. Again, that is light piercing the darkness. That's giving God glory for what he's done in our life, not being ashamed and letting the enemy believe that we should never tell anybody because it's shameful. If it's covered by the blood of Christ and you're not walking in that darkness and in that brokenness, it has been cast as far as the east is from the west, and God has taken your mess, and he's made a message out of it. And sometimes it's easier for us to see him in our darkest time because the light shines the brightest in the darkest. So sometimes when things are going good and it's all, I'm not saying this, you know, I think we still know that he's involved. He can certainly work things out for his will in good times. But when in hard times, maybe we tend to seek him deeper. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's... When you are, I can look at my own life. I don't need to say when you. Let me just stop that and come back and say, um, if there's nothing hard in my life, then I'm not going to be near, I'm not going to be seeking the heart of God. I wish that I was seeking him, and I am. But when something, a crisis comes along, 
there's a whole new level and it's a a reminder because we are we are human beings with a tendency to stray and i look at (laughs) i look at the israelites let's just go there for a second so often they were called stiff-necked people and when i was on my sabbatical i was praying one day and i was asking a lot of questions of god about my own life about my own interior life and the health of my soul and i remember one day just having this aha of god kept calling them stiff-necked people i mean they wandered in the desert uh, for much longer than they would have had to they were in captivity and they would end up back in captivity because they wouldn't listen to the words of the prophets and the word from straight from god and i was like do you think they realized they were stiff-necked or did they think it was just their neighbor that was stiff-necked that God was talking about? Right. And I had to take that in my life and uh, ruminate, um, marinate, meditate on that, and I still am. God, where in my life am I being stiff-necked and I'm not allowing the light to permeate in my life so that it can shine through those broken places? like in the Bible, it says, search me and know my heart. And if yeah. there's anything offensive in me, then remove it, get rid of it. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about the dark places. Um, God allows those things to come into our life. I, As pastor, I've walked through dark places. I've walked with others through dark places. And there's one question that I love to ask on the other side of the heartache. I try to always ask this question. Would you want to be who you were before the hardship came? I have yet to get, yes, I want to go back there and be that person. Because God showed up and he did this marvelous work. And we hate to find ourselves in a place when we find out something in our family that's went wrong and we're heartbroken about it. But my thought is this. If we didn't know about it, it was still happening, and we couldn't do a thing about it. But now that it's out, yes, it's messy. We don't want to be here, but it's the only way to get to healing is to find ourselves in that place and to, again, finding out where darkness is and allowing God's light to shine there so that we can find healing and have life abundant. On the other side of that journey is freedom and abundant life that we never dreamed we could have. Will it look exactly like we thought it would look? Will our life look exactly the same? You know, probably not, but it'll be better because Jesus has brought healing and hope that we can then turn and help others with. And, you know, that takes me to what a beautiful story and one of my favorites of Jesus and his interactions with, um, with those he encountered in his ministry. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit and get a running start. Jesus was heading to Galilee, um, and he had some pretty big-sized miracles, some good-sized miracles that were going to take place within two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. There was going to be a feeding of the 5,000 and a feeding of the 4,000. 5,000 Jews, 4,000 Gentiles. That was the men plus children, women. So it could be 20,000 people. Yeah, we don't know how many people. But he was on the way. That was part of this mission. And Scripture in John 4 says that he had to go through Samaria. 
And this word, I love to dig in and find out what does that mean? He didn't have to go through Samaria because what happened, there was this this um, angst of a long time dispute between the Jews and the Samaritans. It was deep, deep stuff that had never mm. been healed. And so what the Jews would do is they would come up out of Jerusalem and they would cross over to the east side, I believe, of the Jordan and walk around Samaria so as not to dirty their feet. And there was mean things that happened between the Samaritans and the Jews. You could go read about that, but there was this rivalry. And so here's Jesus, and it says in John 4 that he had to go through Samaria. Well, that word had is a had, and I don't have it in front of me now, but it's this idea for salvation. Had to because it was the Lord's will. It was his Father's will. Right, and there was salvation in it. That's why he had to go through. And so, you know. He had to meet the woman at the well. Absolutely. It was a divine appointment. He told her things about herself that she, you know, that were true. And, you know, he shared about the living water, and she got it that day. And she went back to her village, and the disciples come back, and, you know, they're, they just can't understand the whole deal. And as he's talking to the disciples, she's taking the good news. And how beautiful are the feet that bring good news, right? She's taking the good news back to Samaria. And Jesus is there talking to the disciples, and he goes, Look, the fields are white for the harvest. Some translations say ripe, ready, uh, but this translation says white for the harvest. And I'm like, what is white for the harvest? Now, if we were in North Carolina, South Carolina, we would say it was cotton. Well, they don't grow cotton. They don't grow cotton. Twainy culture and context. I'm putting my, I'm going back and I'm standing in my mind, I'm standing anywhere that I've been in in Israel, and I've never seen anything. I just couldn't come up with anything, so I began to dig again. And when the Samaritans would go to the temple, to their temple, the one they set up for themselves, to worship, they would put on white robes. And he was saying, look, the fields are white for the harvest, and it was people. And that shouldn't surprise us that the harvest is people because he right. tells the disciples when he calls them, like, you've fished for fish, but now you're going to be fishing for people. Right. And and he said he's the Lord of the harvest, right? right? right. Like, we know what that means. Right. Souls. Souls. And here is a very unlikely woman with the gospel. We could call her an evangelist, right. couldn't we? Because she shared the good news. She went back to town, and she shared the good news. And many were saved that day because of her faith and because of her willingness to share truth. She was excited about it. Now, she was an outcast. She wasn't a leader in the church. She was on the outskirts. And it wasn't a church at that time. But, you know, within the temple, she was not... A leader, she was more than likely not allowed anywhere close to it. And we have to realize that God is at work even in the ones that we've given up on. They might be, and I pray we haven't given up, 
but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. We uh, think that maybe they're too far. Yeah. You know, people thought I was too far, and what I needed was Jesus. I just needed Jesus, and so I'm very passionate about the harvest. I'm passionate about living my life in a way that doesn't turn people from the gospel, and I can't do that without the work of the Holy Spirit, without Him shining His light. And unfortunately, sometimes it has to get dark before people are willing to hear that there is a Savior and there is hope. And the thing I think about, and I was reading in my devotions today, I was reading this before you and I got together Joseph was sent away from his hometown and, and family to Egypt. Daniel and his friends were sent to Babylon in the most traumatic of circumstances because God wanted to send light into dark places. This devotional says, If you shine his light, you should not be surprised to go to dark places too. Light can't be, it says, wherever you are, your calling is to reflect him, to glow with his brilliance. And to display his nature where darkness has reigned, you have seen a great light in your darkness. Do not miss your opportunity to be one now. And as we go into this season of Thanksgiving, aren't we grateful that we have good news and that we have something that has changed our life? We have hope. We have hope. We have the Holy Spirit. We have life abundant. I think of myself... In my darkest time. Now, I allowed myself to walk into darkness. I didn't know what I was doing. I was lost. But God sent people to share hope with me and to share where I could find hope in the church. I felt like the Lord directed me to the Nazarene church through people that he placed in my life. And like I said, I put myself in that dark place. No one else put me there. I had a free will, and I walked into that darkness, and God rescued me. There was people that chose not to talk about even church with me because they thought it would upset me. They didn't think I wanted to be a part, and I didn't know I wanted to be a part. But God revealed again as a farm girl. He revealed scripture to me. Is what started that whole process of finding, you know, finding Christ and becoming a part of the harvest. The parable of the sower just came into my mind one day, and I remember it well. I remember what road I was on. Both of my girls were in the back seat in their car seats, and in that moment, with that seed of faith that was planted in me as a child, the scripture that was embedded in my heart that Isaiah 55 tells us will not return void, that seed took root that day out of the parable of the sower realizing that is that scripture came to my mind out of nowhere. And I thought about the stony ground and the fertile soil and realized that my heart was stony. And in that moment, I'm like, I want to be fertile soil. You know, I want to be fertile soil. What will I do? And there were people that were inviting me to church. God had placed them in my life, not to push me, not to preach to me, but to love me, show me Christ, show me a place that I could show up on Sunday morning and I could find hope. And God brought the harvest. He came to me on Spader's Church Road, almost to the gun shop. I was almost to the gun, you know, I was almost to Port Road when I had that revelation. And it changed my life. 
had I not been invested in as a child, and I'm so grateful for my heritage, why it's important to make sure our kids have the Word of God embedded in their hearts. And maybe we're listening today, and we have people that just don't believe that they have these family members will ever change, that they'll ever find Christ. And don't give up. And this season of the year is when people are most open to the gospel. This time of year around Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's when they're the most open. So this is easier said than do. But what's the worst that they can do is say no when you invite them to church or try to have a conversation with them about faith. And here's what I would even say. Maybe they're not interested in what you have to say today. Maybe you should be interested in what they have to say. Find out why do they think different from you because we don't want to have that conversation, do we? Because people that don't think like us, we write them off. And I'm telling you, that is hurting the harvest. We have to be willing to sit down across the table with someone that's different from us, that has different views. Maybe it's picked a different view, and so now they're not your friend anymore. Or you can't have that conversation at the family table because we're going to have an argument. Why? Because you have to have your way and your right? No, I don't think any. I think we'll get to heaven, and we're going to be blown away at what we thought was right. By who's there. By who's there, and by what, when we see the whole picture of what God was doing when we thought nothing was happening, and when we think about Jesus with this heart of compassion, man, if we're not exuding the love of Christ, and I'm preaching to me, I need this. Um, I think it's why I want to talk about it today. I need need this. This is accountability for me. And just in kind of wrapping this up, a few months ago, um, I preached a message here at the church on out of 1 Corinthians 13, this idea of love bears all things. And again, looking into what does that really mean? What does to bear all things, what does that mean? And so it's actually that word is for stego, for roof. It's the word that's used where the paralytic is brought in through the roof and the story in Mark where the friends bring the paralytic to Jesus. It's an idea of a roof. If love bears all things, the first way I thought about it was think of if love is kind of a roof. I thought about an umbrella. Love covers. We've heard love covers a multitude of sins. Love, it's this idea that it protects. A roof protects and a roof shields. Um, You could say that uh, love springs no leak. It's a roof. And so... When there's someone that's hurting, we become a roof for them. We become a covering. We care about that hurt. We care that they're lost. And under that roof, we can have really good conversations in love across the table, looking eye to eye with people. And we can bring accountability and we can share um, truth as long as it's grace. You know, think about a seesaw. If you're going to have truth on one side, you have to have grace on the other. Um, because there's a balance in that, because we have to share truth with people. We also have to have grace with them, because the Lord has been so gracious to us. But we don't expose them. We don't rat them out to other people. We hold that close, and we share it with the Lord, and we may ask other people to pray with us. But it really helped me to look differently at the conversations I have. Am I honoring everyone in my conversations? Am I a roof for them? 
or is there leaks in my roof? Mm-hmm. Am I exposing anybody? Am I causing them to question my faith because of how I spoke? Because everybody's watching. Right. They want to know we're authentic. And we're not authentic just because people are watching. Right. We need to be authentic because we have the mind of Christ and we're to take our thoughts captive that aren't Christ-like, and he will give us new thoughts and a new mind. But coming into this season, man, the best gift that we could give people in a season of Thanksgiving and the season of Christmas is to make sure that we're being salt and light, but that we're protecting those that are broken. Right. And Pastor Margaret, as you were talking about the roof, the men who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus uh, recently in a life group session. We were talking about how there was a cost to that. Like, they tore up the roof. Uh, did they think just somebody else was going to pay for that? No, they had to pay knew for that it. they had to pay for it themselves, and they were willing. They knew their friend's life was worth the cost of having to pay to repair a roof that yeah. they had to tear up to get their friend to Jesus. And so there's a cost. But if lives and souls matter to us, that cost is worth it. Absolutely. And what are we doing? That's a challenging thought. It just came to me. We talked about that in our life group, too. What are we doing to bring our lost loved ones to Christ? What does that look like? What does it look like? Where are we carrying them? Are we? And now let me say this, because when I read that scripture, I was like, yeah, love is a roof. And love bears all things, but love is not a doormat, right? right? Yeah. There's boundaries, and there's healthy boundaries we have to use that we have to have in place for, there are healthy boundaries that we have to have in place for because we don't want to enable people. Right. That doesn't help anyone. I heard a, a gentleman at our Celebrate Recovery uh, meeting a few months back. Um, he was sharing his testimony, and he was years of drug abuse and years of just not taking care of himself and living in sin. And he made a comment that I don't think I'll ever forget. He said, my parents enabled me to the point it almost killed me because they kept giving and giving. And he said, we have to have boundaries with people that are in our lives, whether it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be drug or alcohol. Like in any area, it's good. We have to have healthy boundaries. Um, We don't enable people. We have to find that balance and that place where we can shine His light, um, where the light of God, if if we are spending time with Him and we are being filled with the Spirit, um, that light that He fills us with will shine through the broken places in our own lives. Um, It will be a pleasing fragrance to the Lord and to the people around us um, if we will allow ourselves to be transparent, um, filled with love and hope, not growing weary and doing good, not growing weary because not everyone's where we want them to be. Pastor Margaret, you were talking about bringing people to Jesus, and we've talked about this is a good time. And I mean, a lot of us, before the pandemic, took meeting every Sunday Mm. in corporate worship for granted. I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of us did. But, I mean, we can just use that opportunity. I'm sure there's other people who have missed community since we've been so isolated mm-hmm. and just use that to witness to people to as a kind of an invitation 
mm-hmm. and no pressure, just kind of a invitation to invite people. So uh, yeah, it is the season, and you know, a season at Christmas where. Um, like you said earlier, Grayson, that people are more open. And it was Easter for me that really is where the message, it was October when I started going to church, but it was that Easter message that um, where I really came to Christ. And I I was really, I'd sat there, but I was really seeking. And mm-hmm. I think God knows the timing. He knows the harvest around each one of us. And he we know that he is the Lord of the harvest, but he is looking for workers to be in the field to represent him. Right. And so I just encourage us all. I'm deeply challenged by this thought, and I'll just share that burden with everybody else today. Um, let's be aware that there is a harvest, although it's dark and we can't see it right now, it does not mean that the harvest isn't there. But we must prepare ourselves and be ready to share God's word, to share his hope, and then be there to share and to be ready to help those when that great harvest comes, to walk with those um, new believers. Yeah, that's a great, great word and a word of hope and good news. And uh, we pray that uh, today's broadcast, as Pastor Margaret and I have shared about the harvest and being light in darkness uh, and just uh, being thankful that God has given us salvation has mm-hmm. saved us and that we want to shine that same light to others. So we pray that today's broadcast has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.